As I was thinking about what I am very thankful for this season, the thing I wanted to talk to you all about is that I am very thankful for uh, the church. And when I use the word church, I'm speaking uh, specifically about the local church. And for me, that is very specifically this uh, local community, the Spencerville Seventh-day Adventist Church. And it's been a great home these past five years, and I have been so thankful for the blessings of this church family. But today I want to talk to you about why I believe not only should I be thankful, but why all of us should be thankful for the local church. And if you aren't thankful for the local church at this point in your life, hopefully by the time you leave here today, you'll see many reasons why you should be thankful for uh, the church. And not only thankful for the church on an occasional basis, but why we should be thankful for it and why actually we need it, the local church, on a regular weekly basis. You know, we live in a world where being absent from church for a few weeks, being absent for church even for a few months, is not really a big deal. Part of it is because we're all so busy and we come and we go and we, we miss each other here and there, uh, but 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 we don't think about it as much. If you show up at church occasionally, then, then, then that's kind of considered good enough. This wasn't always the case, though. There was a time when a person was considered integrated, connected, fully engaged in a church when they attended church at least three times a week. Three times a week. Some of you may remember some of those days. This meant, of course, the weekly worship service, uh, a, a midweek prayer service, and usually some other gathering, some, uh, some other outreach activity, maybe a, a Sabbath afternoon outreach activity. I was, what's the thing again? Missionary volunteers. I wasn't a regular goer as a kid, so I don't even know what missionary volunteers is, but I know I've heard it along the way, MV and, and YA and all these other abbreviations that we have in Adventism, uh, it, or or. or or door-to-door -door evangelism, or in-gathering. How many of you have gone in-gathering in, in the last year? Look at you. Look at all of you. <laughs> all of you started to shoot your hands up with such pride, and then I said the last year, and not a single hand. <laughs> Who wants to go this afternoon? No hands? Not mate even? Come on, mate, you and me. We'll go sing some carols and, and, and in-gather a little bit. These are things we all used to do, and, and, and you were considered really, truly integrated when you were, when you were uh, all, the, all the literature talks about people that were integrated, they were active in church and gatherings, and being at church gatherings at least three times a week. Now, there might be a few of you in here that could still qualify as active or integrated into the church based on that description, but probably 99.9% .9 of us couldn't qualify under that stipulation. Somewhere along the way, expectations shifted. I don't know if parent, uh, pastors, they got insecure, they realized that not as many people were showing up, and they still wanted to say, hey, we have a very active church, and so somewhere along the way it shifted, and, and literature began to shift, and they started speaking of people being active and integrated members of the church if they attended at least three worship services a month. At least three worship services a month. They went from, from three times a week to three worship services a month. So that basically cut out most everything else and came down to just the three services a month. 
Many of us could be described as active based on the three times a month qualification, but according to our membership and our weekly attendance numbers, more than half of us probably wouldn't even qualify as active based on the three times a month qualifier. Well, pastors, you know, we're insecure, and so, so when people weren't even showing up three times a month, we had to shift the marker again, which is why now all church literature, basically, and church growth literature describes active and engaged and integrated members as individuals that attend church on average once a month, once a month. That's why when other pastors ask me, well, how big is Spencerville? I'll say, oh, we're, we have a membership of 2,000, but we have an active membership of about 1,400, and other pastors know what that means, because if they came here, they'd look around and say, wait, we don't have 1,400 people in, in here right now. It means individuals that come only once a month. You know, if it keeps shifting, we as pastors are insecure enough, we might just start saying, if you show up at least twice a year, we're going to consider you good to go, and we'll, we'll celebrate it. I wonder what the disciples, though, would think, and the people of the early church would think about the descriptions I just gave, all three of them, in fact, in light of their practice. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41, which says, So those who received his word were baptized. We saw some baptisms here today, and we praise God for that, and we praise the baptisms that happened this summer with Andre and some of our other young people. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 were added to the community of faith, the community of believers. And they devoted, this is a description of those who were baptized, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Every day they continued to meet together, the Bible tells us, in the temple courts. So here is the trend through history. Here is the trend through history. Every day, from every day to three times a week, to three times a month, to once a month. Let me ask you, does this seem like a healthy trend line to you? It doesn't seem like a, like a healthy trend line to me. It doesn't seem like we are going in the right direction. In just a few minutes, I'm going to give you a bunch of reasons why we should all want to be a part of local church and, and all the blessings that come with, with, the, with the weekly engagement with a local church body. But before I do, let me read from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, which we heard from just a little bit ago. But Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to be reading verses 24 and 25. And they give importance to what I am about to say. The scriptures give, give validity to what I am about to say. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then the Bible tells us, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and then listen to this, all the more as you see the day 
of the Lord appearing. All the more as we see the day approaching or appearing. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. As history has progressed, we Christians meet together less and less, even though the Bible says that as we get closer and closer to the time of Jesus' coming, we should be meeting together more and more. Do you see how we're going in the wrong direction, folks? The Bible says as, as you get closer and closer to, to, to the day is approaching, the day of the Lord is approaching, you should be more even mindful of meeting together. And yet as we get closer and closer, our trend line is going the opposite way. Now that scripture right there should be enough for us to make this assembling together a higher priority. But I don't want you to see church attendance or meeting with fellow believers as like, well, the pastor just made me feel guilty, so I'm gonna try to do better for the next few months and see how it goes. No, I, I want us to see it as for what it is. This gift that God has given us of meeting together is actually a gift of grace. Meeting together as a body of believers is a gift of grace. Of course, we always think about that, that top-line level of grace. is by grace through faith we have been saved, and not of works so that no man can boast. So we've been saved by grace, and there is that grace, but, but then the Lord adds on all these other levels of grace into our lives, including the weekly meeting together. You are receiving benefits from being here right now that you might not even realize. And if you come week after week after week, you're receiving benefits and, and blessings and, and God's pouring out his grace on your life more than you may even realize. T.M. Luhrmann, a Stanford anthropology professor writing in the New York Times, April 20, 2013, wrote this. And I love these quotes from her. These are just so great. One of the most, listen to what she says, one of the most striking scientific discoveries about religion in recent years is that going to church weekly is good for you. It's like she says it with surprise, like, can you believe it? Going to church weekly is good for you, she writes. She continues, religious attendance boosts the immune system, decreases blood pressure. She says, it may add as much as two to three years to your life. And then I love this next line. The reason for this is not entirely clear. I would tell Dr. Lerman, and I will tell you, the reason for this is entirely clear because it's the grace of God. He says, hey, if you honor me, I'm going to bless you in many ways that you don't even begin to imagine. It's God's grace. Gathering with a group of fellow believers on a regular basis to worship our Lord. Science says, can you believe it? We don't know how it's happening, but somehow it's helping people. Amazing. There have been a multitude of healthy studies done, or health studies done on adults and the benefits of attending church regularly. Listen to some of these, and these are all from from secular journals. These are not a, a Christian journal with a, with a bent of any sort. From the Sleep Health Journal, April 1, 2018. Those who participate in a spiritual communion on a weekly basis sleep better than those that don't. So if you don't sleep very well right now and you attend church every week, think how bad it would be for you if you didn't come here, all right? It is, it is good for you. You're, you're sleeping better because of this. This one from the Journal of the American Medical Association. Women that attend religious services once a week or more are five times less likely to commit suicide. In fact, in this article I read in the Los Angeles Times, amongst the rest of women in society between the ages of 45 and 64, 45 and 64, the suicide rate has jumped 80% in just five years. 
but amongst women that attend church weekly, it has not gone up. I mean, that's a huge difference, right? This will interest both men and women. Men and women ages 18 to 59 that were in an intact marriage and who worshiped at church together weekly reported the highest levels of sexual satisfaction. You can say them inside your heart, that's all. And here is the quote from the study that really caught my eye. Again, secular study. As worship attendance decreased, so did a couple's enjoyment of intercourse. You go to church less, you enjoy sexual intimacy less. By the way, this might be a good time to shoot down one of the myths that we hear, that we hear a lot, uh, that's, that's perpetuated a lot within Christendom and outside of Christendom either. Have you ever heard this? Christians now divorce at the same rate as non-Christians. Have you ever heard that? It's a myth. Well, it's kind of a myth. Let me explain it. Unfortunately, it's perpetuated by pastors. I think they, they say it in like a sermon on marriage because they want to make you f- people feel guilty and say you got to do better in your marriage and we need to be better witnesses. But it's actually not really an, an accurate statement if you think about it within the context of the actual statement, or within the context of the actual study. Listen to this. And this was done out of the universities of Connecticut. There was twin studies out of the University of Connecticut and research also done at the University of Virginia. So state schools with, with no agenda in this way. That people that call themselves Christians, according to this research at Connecticut, University of Connecticut and University of Virginia, that do not attend church on a regular basis and cons- on a regular and consistent basis divorce at a higher rate than people that, are de- that describe themselves as secular Americans. So people that say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in God, but they don't attend church on a regular basis, they actually divorce at a higher rate than people that just say, I'm of no faith, I, I have no belief, I'm, I'm a secular American. Individuals, however, that call themselves Christians and attend church weekly divorce at a far lower rate than secular Christians. Well, what's happened? You put those two studies together. The Christians that say that they're Christians, but they never attend church. The Christians that attend church on a weekly basis, you put those two together, and it looks like, hey, they divorced at the same rate as secular Americans. When really, if we went by, but if Christianity and the description of Christians was based on what we read in the Bible, or even based on what we used to practice years and years ago, then the divorce rate would be far lower than the rest of the world. So attending church is good for our health. It is good for sexual intimacy within marriage, and it's good for the long-term vitality of marriage. But it's also good for our kids. From Harvard University's Institute, this is a long name for something, Harvard University's Institute for Quantitative Social Sciences Human Flourishing Program. Imagine having to work there for your job. Harvard University's Institute for Quantitative Social Sciences Human Flourishing Program, for those taking notes. In a study published this last year in the American Journal of Epidemiology, I quote, the results showed that people who attended church services at least weekly in childhood and adolescence were approximately 18 times more likely to report higher happiness as young adults, ages 23 to 30, and than those who never attended services. They were also 29% more likely to volunteer in their communities into adulthood and 33% less likely to get involved in drugs and alcohol abuse. They come to church, it's good for our kids. 
They grow up to be happier adults. And here is something for our college students. I saw a few of our college students that are home. Welcome home. We're glad that you are here from college. And those, of course, that are here weekly, we're so glad you're here. Something for our college students that are here. According to a study by Jennifer Koop and Ellen Barra Stolzenberg, 83% of college freshmen report attending church frequently at the beginning of their freshman year. That's a good thing. This is, this is not public or private. This is all students, public and private. Sometimes we have this notion that all the young adults are, are just flying out the doors, getting away as fast as they can, but they actually go to church and they're still attending and they're still, or they go to college and they're still trying to attend. But here's the problem. By the, at the, by the end of the school year, only 57% have continued to attend and this trend continues to go as they go further along in college, that they attend less and less. This study sees this as bad. And why do they see it as bad? Because students that attend church weekly or more are more likely to complete college and are more likely to receive advanced degrees and have more stable careers post-college. College students. Man, I really want to make sure I have a stable career. I want to God says, step back. God already told us in his word, spend more time with the fellowship of believers. And these science things are saying, hey, this is, we, we find that God's, God's true to his word. It's better for you. And this is real easy to do. I, I know that when we were in college, Christine and I were in college, it was very easy to say, hey, let's go to the Okoe this week, or let's go to the mountains this week, or let's go to, you know, a picnic, or or in my case, let me hide in the closet until they finish room check and then let me crawl back in bed and sleep through church. This was some of the things that, 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 that I did. And while I have a career that definitely had an influence of making sure that I came back to church, a lot of my friends that did that, they just stopped going and that habit just ended right through into their life now. It's a bad habit to get in, into. We need to be in the habit of meeting together, not, not separating. And just by the way, parents of high school students, Another study I read out of the University of Iowa, I didn't have it in my notes, but I'm going to share it with you. Out of the University of Iowa, they found a study that, that in this group that they studied, the number one influence on a child's GPA was, or an influence that was more important than whether your parents went to college or whether your parents were white-collar workers, which has always been one of the things that they say will be successful. GPAs are higher of kids that attend church weekly, no matter what their parents' background or jobs are. So students, higher GPAs if you attend church on a weekly basis. This is all an act of grace toward us. Think about this. God is our creator. He is all-powerful. He could demand and force us to gather every single week and worship him. He could say, you do this because I made you and I said you have to do it. And some of you may have felt that in your lives from other people, but it's not from God. But you just have to show up and do it. And, and you're not getting anything out of it. I don't care. You're just showing up and doing it. But that's not the way our God works. Our God works in such a way that he said, you know what? I want you to come and worship. But you have a choice. But I want you to come and worship. And when you come and worship me, yes, God says, it blesses my heart. Yes, it touches me. But in the process, I'm going to give you all kinds of benefits that you are not even aware of. That's the God we serve, a God of grace who could demand it from us. But he said, he says, it's a free choice. And oh, by the way, if you show up, I'm going to bless every area of your life. I'm going to bless every other of your life. But none of these blessings are the reasons I am most thankful for church. In fact, I didn't know about the majority of these things 
before I started studying for this sermon. These are new facts and are just added blessings to already the reasons why I am thankful to be a part of this body. The reason why I'm most thankful for the local church and for gathering with the body of believers is related to verse 24 in Hebrews chapter 10, which says, which, which reads in this way, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then the instrument that, that the Lord gives us after he says that, how do we, how we spur each other on towards love and good deeds? We meet together regularly, frequently. The habit, the practice, the discipline of gathering with all of you spurs me on to be a better person than I would be without you. That's the truth. Your presence, this weekly commitment that we make together, this weekly engagement that we have makes me a better person. Now we all have areas in which the church can help us. I'm just gonna give you my example. I'm gonna give you my example of where I see how this church helps me to be a better person. Two things that I, that I thought about right off the top of my head. One is, is while I like to talk a lot, and you all know that I'm a hugger, and you, you know that as well. Um, if I didn't have to be very social, I wouldn't. Um, my wife calls Jason and said, make sure Chad's getting out of the house when she's out of town, because... I'm good with getting up and showering and never leaving the house and then going to bed at night and then getting up and showering and never, I, I, I actually don't mind that. My natural thing is when I go into a store is to want to leave my headphones in and just kind of go through and not have to, to, to talk to anybody. But, but being a part of this community makes me get outside of myself and to engage with, with, other, with other people in, in a different way. And the other way in which I feel like the church spurs me on and to be a better person is that, is that I struggle with ego. And I don't know if any of you else struggle with ego, but I struggle with ego more than I like to admit sometimes. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Paul wrote this. For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. And then you know what the tool is that God says is the thing to help us not think of ourselves more highly than we ought? Verse four through eight. For just as each of us has one body with many, many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Two things in this verse that, that, that humble me. One is the part of the scripture in which it says, I belong to all of you. Each member belongs to all the other members. As a believer in Jesus, I have an accountability to you, this body of faith that Jesus put me in. Each member belongs to all the others. To put it in this perspective, parents, you'll understand this. When our kids go out of our house, when they go to school each day, we want them to live and act in a certain way. We want them to live and act in a certain way, definitely to represent Jesus, we want them to live and act in a certain way to 
for their, for their own sake. We want them to live and act in a certain way for the sanity of their teachers, uh, for, the, for the blessing of their peers. We want them to live and act in a certain way. But also, partly, I want my kids to live and act in a certain way because they're stewards. And I want them to represent Christina and I in a particular way. And what I hope my kids do in public that represents me, that also is what this church does for me. So when I go out in public, and when I'm around outside of these walls, it's in my mind that I not only represent Jesus, and I not only represent my family, but I represent this church and you all as well. Like I said, I like to have my headphones in sometimes, and, and, I, and, I, and I'll be walking into a place, and I'll be kind of convicted that I need to take them out. Well, the other day I went to Target to get something for Christina, and I was like, I'm just going to go in real quick, I'm just going to be very quick, and, and I'm going to leave my headphones in, and I'm walking in a store, and I'm not more than 10 feet into the store, and this is how God works. I hear someone yell out, Pastor Chad. And I can't pretend like I can ignore them because I'm accountable to all of you. So I take out my headphones, I turn around, and I, and I saw Lauren and Tom Hinkle, and so we started talking, and I was chatting with them, and then and I chatted with them for a while, and then I'm walking along, and I saw some other members, and I chatted with them, and then I was some other members came by, and I waved, and I said hi to them, and all of you, a lot of you like Target, and, uh, and, then, and then I'm in line, and, and some members come up behind me, and I say, oh, hey, good to see you, and I talk to them, and the lady at the cash register said, man, you know everybody. Her name's Sophie, so pray for her, lady at the cash register. So, but, but I'm mindful of the fact that, that that I meet people both in the church but those outside the walls as well and I'm, a, I'm accountable to this church. It would break my heart if someone said, oh, I met your pastor and he's such a jerk. You know, that would break my heart. I don't ever want to represent you in that way. And so, and because I have a little jerk in me sometimes, some of you do too, The church reminds me to, to, to be different, and, and I'm humbled by that responsibility. And by the way, it doesn't just say pastors belong to all the members. It says all the members belong to one another. We are accountable to one another. And the other way in which this, this text humbles me, and, and, and being a part of a local church humbles me, is I look and I see the areas that I am gifted, and I see some of those areas written here in Romans, and of course they're in the other gifting lists as well. But I see that those areas are just one amongst the many, and that the body only works with all the gifts. In other words, if the church only had me, then it would not function the way that Jesus intended for it to function. And every Sabbath when I see our his team members outside greeting and at the doors, opening doors for people, and the individuals that help with our, with our sound system and, and our musicians, I remember uh, Christine and I were once a, a part of a church that, that I had to lead the hymns. And that meant you were changing octaves multiple times and not because the music called for it. It just was. You know, the musicians who help lead and the diaconate that, that helps with everything. And, 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 and oh my, the Sabbath school teachers, when I step into those rooms and see them with all the kids and they're, and they're smiling and joyful, I just say, praise Jesus for them. I'm not even always smiling and joyful with just three. And they have a whole herd. And I say, praise Jesus for them. And there's so many others. 
the potluck teams and, and all the rest. And that's just the people that it takes to make things work on this one day. On this one day. Not to mention all the visitation teams and the, 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 the women's ministries and the men's ministries and the community services. And I'm humbled by that, that we all need each other, that I couldn't do this on my own, and that you couldn't do this on your own. We all need each other. That's why Romans chapter 12 says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, because you're just one piece of the pod. Those are my areas in which I feel like this weekly meeting, this weekly time together holds me accountable and makes me a better person than I would be on my own. Smooths out the rough edges, so to speak. You all have your areas. Probably something maybe you can even think about right now. Maybe there is a rough area that you, you haven't thought about, but, but maybe if you, you were connected to a church, it would help. Maybe you struggle with patience. And there's things that we do here. You're thinking, man, pastor, it's past 1230. I should be out of here right now. And you're just saying, breathe Breathe in, serenity now, serenity now. And this is teaching you a whole nether level of patience. Or maybe, maybe there's some of you that, that, that you have to interact with people that you would never normally interact with by coming to church. And the fellowship of believers forces you outside of your comfort zone. You say, you know what? I don't know if I'd, I'd be friends with Chad outside of the church, but, but he's my pastor, and so Jesus says to love him, so I'm gonna love him anyways. And, and God, God stretches you in that way. Maybe you wouldn't tell anyone about Jesus, but, but you know what? They get up every week and they say, why don't you invite somebody? Why don't you tell somebody? And now you're starting to think, oh, you know that neighbor of mine or that coworker of mine, I'd like to invite him or, or her to something. What area does the church spur you on to be better than you would be on your own? I'm so thankful for the church. I'm so thankful for the scriptures reminding us of the importance of meeting together. Again, Jesus could have just said, worship me or else. But instead he said, come and worship me and I'm going to just pour out blessings into your life. I'm gonna bless every area of your life by just the weekly gathering and also you will be a better person through this activity. I wanna to say to you, if it's not your habit, if you're here today and you're here because it's Thanksgiving and well, grandma makes me come every Thanksgiving. If you're watching online and it's not your habit to be a part of a local church community, I want to encourage you. Don't wait for it to be a New Year's resolution, all right? Let's make it a December resolution. Starting this season. To say, you know what, I'm gonna make a commitment to make it not a habit of separating from the church, but make it a habit of connecting to a local church. If you live somewhere else and you say, well, I don't know if there's any churches around me, talk to me, I'll, I'll find you a church. We'll find you a church. If you're watching online and you say, well, there, I, don't, I don't know if there's any, talk to me and, and we'll connect you with the church. If you're here today and you go, I'm here just because I'm a guest here, but I don't really like this place, there's 80 other Seventh-day Adventist churches around here. We'll help you find the right one. It's not about Spencerville growing. It's about the fact that Jesus wants to add grace and blessings into your life. And if you're not connecting on a regular basis, you're missing out on those graces that Jesus has for you. And I don't want any of you to miss out. I don't, want, I don't want myself to miss out. I don't want any of you to miss out on that. So let's make a choice today to make it a habit, not to disassociate, but to associate with the church, a local church on a regular basis. Here's the truth, folks. 
You need the church, not occasionally, consistently, weekly. And by the way, the church needs you as well because we're incomplete without you. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace towards us. We thank you for the grace of church. I am so thankful for this Spencerville Church family. I love them. This is such an amazing church to be a part of. But I'm thankful for all the, I'm thankful for all the local churches around here and, and wherever people are connecting and, and hearing the name of Jesus and being blessed by you. Lord, so often we go through life and we miss out on the, we don't even see the blessings that are right there in our laps, in our midst, and the devil distracts us for all kinds of reasons. But Lord, we want to be who you called us to be. And we want to receive the abundance, the abundant life that you have promised us. And by your grace and by your mercy, an instrument you have chosen to use to make that a reality in each life is a local church. So Lord Jesus, make, help each one of us to have the desire in our hearts and help us to have the discipline and the commitment through your power, not through ours, through your power, to make this gathering and more gatherings like this a regular part of our weekly life. And Lord, we thank you in advance for all the blessings that you'll pour out on us as we connect to your body, the body of Christ. In your name we pray, amen.